Hey, welcome to a gluten-free podcast, the show where we'll be exploring all things gluten-free. I'm your host, Ben. Whether you have celiac disease like me, you're gluten-free for other reasons, or you just want to learn more about the gluten-free diet, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. No, I'm not Ben, but don't fear, he's still here. We've just swapped seats today. My name is Beck. I'm Ben's wife, and today I am your host on a gluten-free podcast. Before we start, I'd like to take the time to acknowledge the Gunungurra people, who are the traditional owners of the land on which our family have the privilege to live on and where this podcast is recorded. I'd like to pay my respect to their elders past, present, and emerging and extend that respect to any Indigenous people listening today. Also, just a reminder that neither Ben or I are medical professionals. Ben has celiac disease, and I tried my best to support him through doing my own research and advocacy, but it's really important that you seek out your own individual medical advice from appropriate professionals. Uh, Just letting everyone know that you may hear some different background noises today. Uh, We are recording uh, in our house, as always, but um, this time our seven-month-old daughter is not asleep, so you may hear some little uh, squeals of joy or uh, other noises. Yep, like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good intro. Thank you very much. Well done. Thanks. I learnt from the best. <laughs> not the Definitely best, not but. The best. <laughs> no. All right. So, if you've been listening since the beginning of this podcast, you'll know that Ben was diagnosed with celiac disease in December 2020. If it's your first time listening, welcome. And uh, maybe at some point you might like to head back to episode one to hear Ben's diagnosis story in detail. Some of you may also follow a gluten-free family on Instagram and already know this, but uh, despite being on a really strict gluten-free diet for uh, over a year now, Ben has been having um, some ongoing symptoms and that's why we're here today um, to talk a bit about what's been going on. So Ben, welcome to your own podcast. Thank you for having me here at my own podcast. Uh, Can you start by sharing uh, about some of your ongoing symptoms that you have been experiencing um, since being diagnosed and on your very strict gluten-free diet? So I've been having bloating, um, gastrointestinal issues, still a fair bit of brain fog and not really being able to think clearly um, and... Yeah, just some some sporadic issues that I can't really pinpoint. I have been keeping a food journal, but I can't even really pinpoint why that, you know, why they're happening. They just come out of nowhere, really. And it's not something that you are necessarily associating with uh, being glutened, is that that right? No, no, because you and I both know that I'm super careful. We're both super careful. And any time that we eat out, I'm just really, really careful. And we haven't really eaten out much at all, really. Um, and that's partly due to COVID, but also that I'm just so newly diagnosed and I'm just being extra cautious, really. Absolutely. Yeah. We always talk about, or you always talk about seeking um, medical advice uh, for individual needs. So can you talk us through some of the professionals that you've reached out to about your ongoing symptoms and uh, maybe a bit about some of the tests and prep that's already occurred that have, has led you to this point today? Yes, and I may need your help here because there's been so many freaking appointments that it's become so confusing. So first off, I went to my GP because I was having ongoing symptoms for about a week at that point and I didn't even go to work. 
I was just an absolute mess. So I booked in with her and um, I had my blood test, my repeat um, celiac serology done. And that had come back um, slightly elevated. And so my GP basically asked, are you adhering to the gluten-free diet? And that was just an absolute smack in the face. Um, and, and I, look, I get it, but you know, it, it looked like I was still eating gluten because gluten has to be in the system for a certain amount of time, usually for the blood test to read that or so, you know, so that, that we know of. Um, so at that point she was saying, you know, we had, no, we had another appointment with her and you came to me, uh, at that appointment. And she suggested if you are adhering to the gluten-free diet so strictly, then maybe it's some other things occurring that maybe not related to gluten at all. So maybe book in with a dietitian. So uh, I did book in with a dietitian and she also recommended getting a CT scan done to rule out anything else going on. And we also asked off our own bat to get a referral to a gastroenterologist, which we have done also. Yeah. And I guess first and foremost, she um, had to rule out gluten being the cause of those elevated Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it must have been, well, I know it was really frustrating to hear that and just knowing how, for us, knowing how strict you are and how strict we are as a family. Um, but she, you know, she wasn't to know that um, initially. So yeah, we're pleased that in the end, we got a referral to the gastroenterologist um, and- we have since been to the gastroenterologist. Um, do you want to tell them a little bit about that appointment and uh, what the gastroenterologist has recommended now? Yeah, so I we have actually been meaning to book in with the gastroenterologist for quite some time, even just to ask some questions about celiac disease and what to do um, going forward with the gluten-free diet and if I'm still having a few symptoms. But anyway, so we booked in with this local gastroenterologist and she was absolutely fantastic. Um, and she sort of looked at my levels. Uh, she looked at uh, former tests that I had ha- I have had um, and my initial endoscopy. And you came with me to that appointment because we had so many questions and there's just so much information to soak up. Yeah, and just on that, I think it's just so important when you have these conversations sometimes it really helps to have that second set of ears because when you're hearing it yourself or your own information sometimes like you say it's just so much and sometimes too much to to process yourself so it's always handy to just have that second set of ears to be listening maybe asking some pertinent questions and i think especially when you are going through any health issue really but your brain just isn't thinking straight but especially when you're having brain fog and you can't think straight at the best of times (laughs) um it, it definitely helps to have another set of ears there that are listening and they might pick up on something else um, that you wouldn't have thought of. Otherwise, they might ask some questions that you were like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to ask that and I totally forgot to ask that. So it was handy having you there. It's also great to just learn a little bit more as a support person. Yeah. Um, because otherwise there's, you know, no real way of knowing what's going on. So If you are allowed in the room and COVID has changed a lot of that too. That's at the exactly moment, right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
we always ask if you're allowed to come in <laughs> as I did with Beck and yeah. she was fine with it. So, but she did recommend uh, doing a repeat endoscopy and also doing a colonoscopy at the same time to just rule out anything else going on um, with these flare ups that I'm having. And an MRI of the small bowel too. She, yeah, she, she down the track. Yes. Yeah. L- perhaps later on if I'm still having recurring symptoms. Yeah. It was um, really great to talk to her and we were lucky because obviously we live in regional, a regional area. Um, maybe we don't have um, the same amount of uh, options as people in cities do in terms of seeing a gastroenterologist and particularly maybe ones that um, if you're lucky enough, there are some that specialize in celiac disease. And she's a general gastroenterologist one we saw, but yeah, she was really fantastic Mm. and we're grateful that she's in our area. And she also pointed out something that um, with the blood test that I got a couple of blood tests done, but not the complete antibody test that I had done previously. Like there was about four markers that I had last time. And I think they only did two or three on this, this current blood test. So I think Is that right? the initial blood test back in 2020, mm. were there were the four markers that were reported on. But yeah, for this updated one, only two of the four were reported. And we're not sure if that is um, just, uh, she seemed to indicate it was this particular pathology um, company that only report on the two. So um, yeah, I, we need to do a little bit more questioning around that. Um, in particular, because I, yeah, I found that a bit interesting. Um, she didn't seem concerned by it, but just no. more like a point of interest that it was only two of the four, um, as opposed to all four of the celiac serology markers. Yeah. I just found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also I booked in with the dietitian yes. as well. And she has a really, really in-depth knowledge of celiac disease itself and the gluten-free diet. She actually did a PhD in celiac disease yeah and i guess that again being in a regional area once again our uh you know options can be limited so you were really lucky one of the great things that has come out of covid has been telehealth appointments um and so we were actually able to find a dietitian not in our area but um someone who was able to do it via telehealth which really helped um, it was quite an in-depth um, process before you had your appointment though, right? Yeah, quite an in-depth um, process beforehand. I actually had to write down every single food that I was eating. Uh, so it was a food and symptom diary, which takes a long time, but I actually have done that before. And I even did it um, by default pre-diagnosis because I thought that yeah, when I you was were having, trying to yeah, work out what was going on. When I was on. trying to figure out what the hell was going on with me, um, before I actually had the celiac serology done in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so with the appointment, um, what was the outcome? It was great. It went really into depth. It was an hour and a half. So she went over pretty much uh, all the symptoms I was having. And then she uh, scientifically broke down foods and the components of food and what can react to us and you know, uh, linking sort of like IBS with celiac disease as well. And that people, you know, with sensitive guts react to food in a different way to people who have a more, you know, tolerant gut basically. And yeah, then she basically went down the road of something that you and I both thought was going to happen at some point, a low FODMAP diet. 
Yeah, and like you've talked about not knowing what the word celiac was before you were diagnosed. How about a FODMAP? Do you know what that stands for? I still don't know what it stands for. I know (laughs) the A in it is an and. And, But there's, yeah, even under those FODMAPs, there's different banners of foods as well. Like it's a whole class of, you know, the colors in foods and different starches and sugars and it's a whole different world. So am I right in saying that FODMAPs are like sugars, uh, carbohydrates that uh, occur in some foods? I believe so. I can't, <laughs> don't want to go on the record and say yes or no. We need to do a little bit more we research We do need to do together. more research. But we downloaded, as the dietitian suggested, getting the Monash University app. And that's been awesome. It's really fantastic. Not only for, it's got like recipes, really good recipes and, um, and all in, like heaps of information about the low FODMAP diet itself and what it stands for, <laughs> the acronym. But also you've got a food and symptom diary on there, which has been awesome. So I don't have to go and write it down manually or put it into the computer and put it into a Word document and send that over to a make it confusing. It's just in this app. And I'm pretty sure that that can be transferred to a Word document or something later. So then she has it straight in front of her. Um, it did cost like 13, 13 or bucks like or that. something. Yeah. So we just both got it. Yeah. Um, and there's also a course that you can do too. So yeah, through Monash University, I'm really interested yeah. in doing that myself. Um, it's just a self-paced online course, uh, costs 46 Australian dollars, yeah. which is pretty good. Yeah. And another thing as well, I thought this was sort of, you know, I was kind of going next level with this and not many people would have gone through the low FODMAP diet. I thought, you know, maybe they just, you know, celiac and they just go on the gluten-free diet and then you know, maybe things resolve or they don't and people just accept it. But so many people reached out to me straight away when I put it up on Instagram that I was going low FODMAP. They're like, oh, me too, me too. I am low FODMAP or I have tried the low FODMAP diet and, you know, maybe, you know, look out for this or do this and giving me tips and suggestions and and resources. And that was so cool. Gluten-free community strikes again. Yeah, (laughs) that's so good. Yeah. So I guess the, the plan for you is four weeks on uh, there's different phases of the the diet right so you're on phase one which is eliminating basically everything phase one elimination (laughs) and um not only are you low fodmap and of course gluten-free but you're also going to be cutting dairy soy and legumes yeah because i believe those are the triggering foods Uh, and i have been keeping a food journal even beforehand when i was getting flare-ups tracing things back and i did trace it back to dairy soy and legumes are the like the big ones for me so you eliminate for is it four weeks? For four weeks and then start the reintroduction phase. And I'm not too sure how long that reintroduction phase will go for, but it's basically, um, the dietitian explains it, it's basically overloading. So you just start having those triggering foods um, and you just load it to the point where basically, you, you know, you'll start getting symptoms and then you'll know which foods are triggering so it's really about finding what level you can tolerate, not yes. necessarily like there may for some people and for you, you may find that there are some foods that are just completely no goes. Yes. But in general, we're hoping it's um, a way of discovering what level of foods you can tolerate as opposed to gluten that you have to completely cut. Completely no cut out. exceptions. Yes. And yeah. obviously she said without 
question you have to avoid gluten gluten and cross-contamination and stuff. That's your number one thing. This is more basically figuring out your triggering symptoms of what foods are reacting with you. And then it's basically after that, once you know that, it's, you know, like a form of IBS, I guess. Um, And it's basically what you're living, what you're willing to live with, the symptoms you're willing to live with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... um, of course, like we have heard a couple of people talk about how they've done this um, maybe on their own or kind of self-diagnosed uh, this, but um, it's been really beneficial and probably fairly important that you're doing this under the guidance of an accredited dietitian, um, including when, when it does come time to reintroduce foods, that's all going to be with alongside your dietitian. Um, so it's not just, you know, here you go and fingers crossed that it works out for you. Like she's going to be there throughout this process and guiding you. Yes. And I do bang on about this nearly every single episode, but never change your diet without speaking to a health yeah. professional. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. Like I was pre-diagnosis and try and self-diagnose yourself and say, Oh, well, I've just figured out that I must be gluten-free and then I will be better. It's like, no, go speak to your GP and get tested. say, get tested for everything before changing your diet in any way, like drastically. Definitely. Yeah. So I think it would be um, really interesting this next month, like we're one week in, so yeah. a few more weeks of elimination, but I think it would be really interesting to um, come back together again after, I mean, in podcast form, we're not, you know, <laughs> sweating up, but uh, let's come back. <laughs> we're in, not on a break. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's come back in four weeks and, you know, see how by then you will have had your repeat endoscopy, colonoscopy. And yeah, I will have yeah. actually had that. Yeah. So it will be interesting, I think, to see where we're at in a month's time. This is true. Yeah, I think we should do that. Let's uh, pop it in the diary. Okay, host. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me, Ben, on your podcast. Thanks for letting me hijack the host seat. No it was fun. Okay. See you, see next, you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on a gluten-free podcast. If you're enjoying it and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate you giving a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at a.gffamily or send an email to aglutenfreefamily at gmail.com. I'll add all this info in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now.